During the transition of 3D gaming in the late 90s, the concept of a hub world was popularized. No longer would certain games use a simple level select screen, but instead a world of its own to explore before entering the stages of the game. What video game hub worlds were memorable and truly went above and beyond? We're here to talk about this on another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past, where you can catch an episode each and every Sunday on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms. So... Joining me, of course, Keith Hamilton from Hi. London, Ontario. So Keith, That is true. That is where I currently reside. I want to ask you first, when it comes to hub worlds, what elements are important to you? I think the hub world is a thing, at least in my opinion, that connects the world together. There's a there's a huge emphasis on the word world when it comes to hub world, where that is where everything kind of intertwines and makes a game feel like you're in its own world. It's in its own universe. It's I, it's one of my favorite things that happened in that 3D change because no longer did games just kind of feel like a chain of levels that uh, got put together. It's something that now feels like a connected experience. That that really immersion factor is uh, is definitely a big point uh, of discussion and I think that is kind of where the the concept really kind of came from because moving into a 3D space it made sense to hey you know level select screens are are great and many games still use them and sometimes you know I think there's a time and a place for that in games I agree not every game needs a hub world but the games that have it I think are way better for it Exactly. And I think we can, I think every conversation really has to start when you're talking about Hub Worlds with Mario 64, because oh, yeah. I'm sure the the concept might have happened. I'm sure it happened before Mario 64, but... But that Mario's, is the first it, good one. Yeah, like when it is. Something might have existed before it, but until Peach's Castle came along in Mario 64, it was so good that it made all of those other examples totally worthless and not mean anything. And it just kind of took the the uh, the title of the first one by default. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we, we think of Mario 64, you think of... So Peach's Castle, not only was it a place where you could just enter the levels, but they added secrets. There's you jump through a a window and you go to a slide level. You look up at the sun in the main hall and you go to this secret flying level where you can unlock your flying cap. Uh, it wasn't just, oh, hey, go here, get a, go to a level. There were things to discover within the world itself, even um, if, it, you know, even just talking to a toad. Sometimes you get a star. Other times you get more information. So it made the, it like, it made the game it's a game within a game almost uh, exactly. it's not just it's about what, the levels it's what separated it from just being a list of levels because i mean without the hub world that's exactly what mario 64 would be and you could argue that this already existed in like super mario world but it's a little different i would say just because there's like even though you had the star world and stuff it's a little different in super mario world but the fact that you can you can 
go around and unlock progression in that uh, in that hub world in Peach's castle and just kind of choose where you want to go as long as you've unlocked it. It's what really made like uh, Super Mario 64 feel more like immersive and Honestly, I think it's a huge step of why it's such a revered game, of why that jump to 3D felt so substantial. Because now you're in, you're, it's more just like you're not, you're no longer playing a bunch of levels as Mario, you're now playing as Mario. I think that's, you can like solely um, give credit to that for the fact that that game had that hub world. Plus, I don't know about you, but every time somebody talks about the hub world in Mario 64, the song immediately starts playing in my head. Dun, oh, of course. Dun, I, dun, 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 dun. The, the music, I think, dun, played dun, 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 a huge dun, 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 part, for sure. Dun. It, <laughs> that's just the rest of the episode okay i'm done now so speaking of music though because i talking about more you know memorable you know talking about we're the best hub worlds most memorable hub worlds music i think played a huge part in banjo kazooie so i did a whole video on this on my personal channel GameEssays.com if you want to see all the videos I've Ooh, done. You but even got the the non-YouTube URL. Yeah. Just oh, GameEssays.com. Yeah. Everybody, exactly. if you're listening, easy. go give that a follow. Ryan I makes some good it. stuff over there. Like and subscribe. Hit that bell. All that stuff. And do that for this channel as well if you're listening on YouTube. Listening slash watching. Now, um, Banjo-Kazooie, I think atmosphere and music is what knocked it out of the park for for this one now peach's castle obviously you're exploring a kind of more friendly environment though bowser's kind of taken over the castle there's not really many aside from the booze in like the back there's not really any enemies to worry about anything like that until you actually enter a level but in banjo kazooie you're in gruntilda's lair so it's the enemies um you know, her place. So you will see enemies again. It's not like you're flooded with enemies, but um, there's a lot of theming. So if you're entering a pirate themed level, there's kind of a level within a level. So you'll go down in the basement and all of a sudden there's like sand and there's a, a pirate ship and you'll see this treasure chest open up and that's the level. But you, the music of the layer will transform to something that sounds more like pirate theme it's got like accordions and stuff That's going cool. and if you go to there's a level like click clock wood it sounds more like you know woodland and um you know more nature like and things like that so i loved the the theming that they did in banjo kazooie and the dynamic music that's changing as you're going through it and you're kind of um there's cool dynamic with that hub world where you go into a level and there's a switch. So you'll hit that switch and then that opens up a jiggy, which is the star equivalent in the hub world. So there's 10 even stars to get in the hub world, kind of like Mario 64, except I think they, they kind of have a more cohesive relationship between the levels and the hub world itself. It all kind of feels more, um, as like a singular concept more so than Mario 64. And I think, you know, obviously taking heavy, the game takes heavy, heavy inspiration from Mario 64, but kind of does, uh, I think it took the hub world concept to um, kind of evolved it even more so. 
Yeah, that was the next point I wanted to bring up with a lot of early examples, especially in that N64 era. When you're talking about hub worlds in a game, it's almost exclusively 3D platformers and then later on platformers in general. It was almost like there's this thing that accidentally happened of you're a game company's making a 3D platformer and then in the design document they're like well Mario had a had a hub world we need to have a hub world too make that hub world and there are a lot of examples of things that worked like Banjo given I haven't played the game but just the way that you talk about it makes it sound like it's a very good example of that but from that just for the sake of having it I think there are a couple bad examples of hub worlds that exist just because they felt like they needed to have one. I think a great example of that uh, we covered earlier earlier this year in the episodes available in the archives is Spyro the Dragon, where that game, even though, like, if you took out the hub world in that game, or the hub worlds, I don't think you would lose anything from that game just because they added a layer of frustration into the hub worlds into a point where like there's almost like a set of rules that exist in a level where okay you die you go back to the beginning you accept that you do better next time but when something like that happens in a hub world it feels really bad and that was something that I ran into a couple of times with Spyro and it's one of those instances where I don't think it needed the uh needed a hub world in it and the game actually was worse for it yeah I I honestly I didn't mind the hub world specifically in Spyro but I remember I, one specific point it was in the desert level where I was going to the very end of it cuz there was like a secret um a secret dragon or something in there and I fell into a cliff and it put me right back at the beginning and I had to go through that entire thing again just to try that jump again and that felt bad I was not a fan of that at all yeah, I can imagine certain, yeah, when you die in the hub world, that never necessarily <laughs> feels good. And yeah, it, it can be a little annoying at times. I think jumping in particular was certain like platform jumps in that game were just kind of a problem in, of it, in and of itself. Um, but I, I see what you mean, because in Spyro, it did feel like it was there just to be there. I did like that there were dragons to discover in the hub world, but it was it, it wasn't as if you just threw those ones in a level though do you think like do you think yeah, just it wouldn't because make they were there difference. it added yeah, I anything agree. i don't think it hurt the game but i don't think it did enough to it it didn't do enough to maybe justify its existence so um i i will definitely give you that um quickly before we go into some of the other you know hub worlds because when we talk about hub worlds for the most part it's something we don't see as often partly because 3d platformers are not as uh, you know big or we just don't see as many come out i mean we still see plenty 
uh, see more often almost 2D platformers coming out these days. But mm-hmm. um, Kind of, but the concept of the hub world has evolved beyond 3D platformers, I think, at this point, where it's being adapted in different ways than the traditional Peach's Castle and the, like, the stuff you saw in Banjo into current games these days. Yeah, I was going to say something uh, a more modern example would probably be like a hub area because you could yes. look at Dark Souls and I think more so in Dark Souls 3, which I haven't played, but everything I've seen from it is, you know, it's a place you kind of return to to kind of, you know, recoup, get more story progress, things like that. Um, Dark Souls 1. Did I mean, you ever you, play the original Demon Souls? I did not, but I know that very much so had a actual hub area, the, yes. the Nexus. That's the point I was going to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so Firelink Shrine, at least in the first Dark Souls, it's more like a place you kind of find yourself coming back to for for certain things. And I think that evolved even more so in, in Dark Souls 3. Now, one I do want to ask you about because I did pull up a list and maybe we can breeze through it uh, towards the the end of uh, this this episode to see if there's any hub worlds we missed. But one I saw just looking through kind of best hub world lists come up a lot was actually from Metal Gear Solid Five. And I know you being yeah. the the big Metal Gear Solid guy, if there is uh, it looked like some like cargo ship or something. What if you want to explain that? Yeah. Kind of, I mean, yeah, it does have a hub world in the way that you have your own base. You're setting up this mother base in the middle of, uh, in the middle of the ocean and you're slowly building it out and recruiting people to it towards the, uh, the end game and as you progress. So, I mean, by definition, yes, it's there, but it's an example of something that it's I mean, this is kind of Metal Gear Solid 5 in a nutshell, where it was a really cool idea, and it has some really cool gameplay in there, but it's just not flushed out very well, where you, like, it very quickly becomes the place to go from A to B up until the very end, and then there's this point in the game where the hub world turns into, like, one of the most, like, dramatic missions in the entire game, and it's this, like, brutal scene where you do not feel good doing the things you are doing in that it's... I'll kind of, I won't spoil anything because if you have not played Metal Gear Solid 5, I do think this is something worth seeing as far as like emotional moments in a video game, but it involves a base you are building with a bunch of your soldiers. It is emotional. I will let you fill in the rest of the blanks yourself. So it is something that has a lot of peaks and valleys. And I do think it's good that it's there, but it's not this like, oh my God, amazing thing. I, I don't know if I would put it on a best hub worlds list personally good to know yeah that was definitely one i i was happy you could expand on more because it i was interested it's a more modern game and to see how they kind of transform that forgot about that mission oh that sucks i I never (laughs) want to think about that again oh it's bad i have a lot of catching up emotional wrecking kind of way in the metal gear solid world One day, I will make you play all of them on this episode, the same way that I am playing all of these Zelda games now. <laughs> yep. 
Exactly. I mean, that's the purpose of this podcast in a lot of ways is to catch up on those things. So, uh, a few quick ones before I think we bring up the best modern edition. And I think you know exactly what game I'm talking about, but... I hope I do. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) Diddy Kong Racing is a game where racing games, you don't typically see a hub world. And I thought that was a cool thing yeah, for them to cool. do. Yeah, that's cool. I've never played Diddy Kong Racing and didn't know that that existed. But that's a cool thing because you don't think about it. Yeah, so I, I loved it because in Diddy Kong Racing, you're not just using a car or whatever, but you have things like a hovercraft and an airplane. And when you're in the hub world's, you can actually go up to a character that will let you change your vehicle. So if you want to like get the hang of um, flying in a plane, you can fly around the whole hub worlds in in the plane and kind of get used to it. And again, like Banjo-Kazooie, Rare loved doing this. When you go through certain areas, the music will kind of change a little bit. And it was really fun. And I remember as a kid renting this game and I'd spend a lot of time just in the plane flying around the hub worlds, just having fun, like going under, going through like a log tunnel and, and things like that. And Has Rare ever made a bad hub world thinking about their library? I, I would have to really think about that because I, I haven't played all their games and because they have a game like Jet Force Gemini that I've never tried out. I don't even know if that has a hub world or not. Um, but I will say... Banjo-Tooie, it has a hub world that's really massive, and I wouldn't say it's bad, but I would say it is not nearly as memorable or fun as Banjo-Kazooie. So, that one, maybe. Okay. But I think now, talking about the kind of the main event of, of hub worlds, and that is a game that just recently came out called Hades. And oh. I know Keith is just the ultimate Hades master at this point. Oh, I wouldn't do whoa, don't don't put that in, <laughs> well, don't put okay, that evil right, on me, big, boy. <laughs> those are big words, but yeah. I would I've say you played a lot of Hades. I would say you it is your newest obsession and yes. It is a, quite an awesome game. So I've played, I've played quite a fair bit, but I've yet to actually complete a a run. I've gotten oh. as far as the the like the centaur dude in Elysium. So I'm working. Okay. You're I'm, there. You have yeah. a couple hurdles to jump. Still, I still but. have a plenty of like upgrades to get and stuff to kind of make make it a little bit easier for me, um, mm-hmm. which is is another great concept. But for those who haven't played, if it 80, makes you feel better, it took me about thirty runs till I finally beat the game. I I don't know how many I'm on, but I'm probably somewhere in like the the twenties or something like that. But um. For those who aren't familiar, Hades is a kind of like, I'd say it's like an isometric view, but it's kind of a mix between like Diablo and Binding of Isaac, if you've ever played those games. But essentially, you are the son of Hades and you're trying to get out of, like literally um, get out of hell and work your way up to get to to be with the like the other Olympians or whatever. Is that what Mm -hmm. they're called? Yes. Um, The gods, we could say. Yeah, the gods. Um, and essentially it's kind of designed in a way that unless you are insane, you're not going to complete your first run. 
Um, so when you fail, you kind of you go back to the hub area, which is the House of Hades. And, you know, it's, with it's, all... uh, it's got a lot of roguelike stuff in exactly. it where there's progression. Like it's not just run based. There's overall progression that happens exactly. in as you're, well. You, so you're you gathering resources. Stronger. You're gathering resources through each run. And that way you'll make yourself a little bit better. You upgrade your some of your weapons. You get other abilities. You can choose different kind of like perks you want to have going into each run. So not only is it fun to revisit the hub world because you are making yourself more powerful, unlike other roguelikes, like something like Binding of Isaac, where it's always it's a blank slate every time and it doesn't get any easier. Um, in Hades, not only are you making yourself more powerful, but there's actually a story that is really built around this, that each time you fail a run, you're actually getting a little bit more of the story and what's going on. And mm-hmm. Um, I think that is just, they really tied in the roguelike concept with a hub world and a story so well that it's, it's kind of incredible. And it's amazing that I haven't seen this really done in such a way, um, until now. Um, and I just think that's, it was such a genius thing to do. And, um, yeah, uh, Keith, I'll just let you... Spill your, your just love for this game. I know, I know you want to. And well, I'll, d- I'll do it as far as the hub world because I have a feeling there's a video coming out in probably about a month or so that I will we'll really gush about Hades there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like you mentioned in the hub world of Hades, it's something that because it's run based, because no matter what you do, they know you're always going to end up back in that hub world. They like trickle the story out that way through the characters that um that you meet in that hub world whether it be like a positive interaction or a negative interaction the even though the gameplay in hades is so good the story is like low-key one of the best stories i've ever played in the video game just because of the pace that they dull it out and these like character relationships that you're building over time and the fact that like the character the story in this game is kind of like whatever as far as like the main plot goes of Zagreus trying to escape from hell, but the personalities are just so strong in the character writing in that game. It's that's what you're going to this game for. The gameplay is awesome and the uh, the character interactions are that much better. They're so much better than that. And just being able to slowly talk to them and like have objectives of, okay, I'm in the hub world. I just finished my run. Now I want to talk to this person. Or sometimes there's people that only show up if you meet certain conditions. So you know when you get there, you ha- you almost have an objective in that hub world to go and seek out that person. And then, yeah, just being able to like plan your next run and choose your weapons. It's really much like Mario 64. It's the thing that connects that game together and turns it into like a, like from a good experience to a great experience. Cause if you just had, um, if uh, Hades was like a binding of Isaac where you're just dying and then going to your next run then I think you wouldn't have the same experience. It's that thing that really connects it together and makes it so good. My God, do I love Hades. What a magical game that is. <laughs> yeah, I I just love 
that, like I said, the cohesiveness between the House of Hades and your actual run. So sometimes there's, you know, the boss of the first world. Um, sometimes you'll see her just chilling at the House of Hades and you'll talk about, um, you know, something that happened. Yeah, it's like, and oh, then, I beat you this time. I guess I'll have to try a little harder, that stuff, or you it, won't get me next time. Yeah, exactly. And it makes it that much cooler when... Oh, you run into them, you know, even like outside the hub world running into them again in in your run and like there's a new set of dialogue. So just always like keeping things fresh, um, even though you're kind of essentially doing the same run over and over again. But there's always different enemy, you know, the enemies and everything randomized. But um, it's, you know, incorporating the roguelike into a hub world so well in the continued story it's just it's masterful and i have a feeling that people are going to try and mimic this formula and i think it's just um you know like we said it's kind of hard to think of a lot of modern hub worlds because it's really iconic to the 3d platformer but here's a game that comes out totally different than a 3d platformer and does the hub world concept in just a, a absolutely masterful way. And it's just scale too. Like at the time of this recording, I'm about 130 runs into Hades and I'm still getting new story. Like the fact that I've put that many hours into that game and I'm still getting new things to do and see in that hub world. That's what makes that's it insane. so good. Yeah, and and it's smart because it doesn't like beat you over the head with story for long periods of time. You kind of get like a drip feed in between your runs, which I think is just like it works perfectly well for the type of game that it is. So Hades, definitely the best example of a modern hub world. Mm-hmm. And then without a doubt, one other game I think that you had pointed out that you wanted to mention. I'm curious how, um, you know, in what way you think of it, uh, but World of Warcraft, you mentioned. Yeah. So yeah. I, I know we got like Ogremar and Stormwinds, so, but uh, definitely expand um, on why you think it, it makes a good hub world. I assume those might be ones you mentioned, but I, there's definitely other examples as well in that game. Yeah, because every expansion in World of Warcraft has kind of had that major city, that hub that you go to like in your downtime in that game. And when I think of modern hub worlds, with the exception of things like Hades, like this is what I think of the major cities in an MMO. I just use World of Warcraft because I think that's like the most um, like the most recognizable examples. Your things like your Stormwinds or your Orgrimmars that have been there and have evolved along with the game over the last how many years that it's been around i think it's on its 16th anniversary now yeah Uh, it seems about right yeah Yeah. so just this this world that has been evolving over 16 years and this space that has been evolving along with the characters like to me that is a great example of a modern hub world it's not something like it has everything you need there as far as what you're doing what you need when you're playing an mmo but it's this constant like it's like the safety blanket of a space where no matter what you're doing in the game no matter what your objective is and if you're playing world of warcraft there's a thousand things that could meet that role and it's this common ground that not just you but 
everybody goes back to constantly. Like that, if you've played World of Warcraft for any amount of time, and you say the and you played Alliance, and you say the words trade district. You know exactly what that looks like. If you say the space outside of Gromamosh Hold, you know exactly what that looks like. And that's cool. That's a that's a hub world that's like just if you spend any time in it, it's something that becomes recognizable and dare I say iconic. Yeah, there's definitely a give and a take to that in an MMO because some might say that hub worlds in World of Warcraft in particular might have got a little bit too OP and like having all these portals to warp everywhere so much so that people only spend their time there and not enough out in the world to kind of make the rest of the game feel lively. But I think that's okay because it's a place that you can go to get you to your objective because there's a lot of objectives in a game like that. And if you're making it inconvenient just for the sake of quote-unquote having a lively world then I think that's a detriment to the player experience where you need something that's like this is the hub this is where I'm going this is where I feel it's a retail versus classic debate really yeah classic did a good job of hey yeah (laughs) Ogremar is still the place you want to go spend a lot of time but there's also a lot of reasons to to be in other areas of the map um, whereas the newer games, it's like you can do everything. You can do almost everything aside from level uh, in, in the major city of that respective expansion. But I, I think there's there's a give and a take there. For sure. Um, so lastly, I did want to just kind of scroll through a list of the top 10 hub worlds uh, on a list I pulled up from blockfort.com. So I'll bring it up here and we can just quickly run through these and see if there's any that you any of these games you've played and if you um, have any experiences with it. All right. Um, So number 10, they had Sanctuary from Borderlands 2. Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of like a thing in an MMO where that is the place you go in between your missions. It's all right. (laughs) Yeah, I've only played the first Borderlands, so I... um, I, I don't really recall how they handled that in, in that game. But um, moving on, we did have uh, Psychonauts is a game I've been meaning to play, but have not played. I haven't played, played Psychonauts either. Um, but they have the Whispering Rock uh, Psychic Summer Camp, which sounds really cool. And this is a game I've heard. It's so charming and I, I, I have to... Uh, get to that at some point. Splatoon, they have Inkopolis Plaza, another game on my to play list. Yeah, I've, I haven't played any of these either. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned oh the the Nexus from Demon Souls. Now, this is one I'm looking forward to in the PlayStation Five remake. Whenever I get to that, I haven't. I I feel like I'm leaning towards just skipping the original and playing the remake. Um, whenever I have might to get as well at this point. Yeah, especially it if looks it's so good. much better that I might as well wait. Uh, again, uh, previously mentioned Timber Island from Diddy Kong Racing, then Mother Base, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Tower from Destiny, a game I, I have not oh, had yeah. a chance yeah, to that's, play. That's a good, it's very much like Stormwind and Orgrimmar, where it's the hub for an MMO. Nice, nice. And then, so Monster Hunter World, Asteria. I, I don't know if yeah. you played... Yeah, okay. Yeah, same thing. The so thing, this the place is number where three you on go, their top 10 list. Would you rank it anywhere near that? 
I mean, no, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> In the way that I think that Monster Hunter World is one of the best games of last generation, but it's just the place you go in between your missions. Unless unless that's the Iceborne one, because I never played the Iceborne expansion. But if it's the main hub that was in like the base game, like, okay, cool, that's the place that I went to do my cooking and get my weekly quests and it was wood and it was fun but okay i'd rather (laughs) it's it's the place like i'd rather be out on hunts that was just the time in between my hunts i never really thought too big of it yeah maybe maybe they just really like the aesthetics they they say beautiful vistas and spectacular views so i guess they're they're an aesthetic person um number two we got peach's castle Nothing, I don't think anything the OG more, yeah needs to be said and then they did put Gruntilda's Lair at number one so okay. um, it's nice to get some affirmation um, as I think Gruntilda's Lair is definitely up there as, as one of the best hub worlds mm-hmm. absolutely again I'd like to plug your video because you did a great in-depth dive or dive of just how great that hub world is over on your uh, YouTube channel at gameessays.com. Thank you. Yeah, definitely check it out. I go into, as Keith said, a lot more depth. Um, But uh, that's going to really do it for our discussion on Hub Worlds for today. But I'm going to go play some more Hades. I need a few runs. (laughs) Yes, I have. I have one more goal to do in that game, and it is so freaking hard that it. I just I can't do it, and I just need to keep plugging away at it. And it's going to kill me until I run, man. That's all I want to do. I'm sure I'll want to keep playing more after I do. But right now, it's hey, can I just Mm -hmm. complete a run? It, It is one of those things where once you beat your first run. And the true Hades begins. That's when the real game starts. Mm-hmm. I hate that cliche so much, <laughs> yeah. but it is Once accurate. Once you get 60 hours in, that's when the real that's when game really, starts. Yeah, that's when you really get to playing. <laughs> but if you want to continue the conversation, definitely head over to our Discord channel. That's a casttothepast.com slash Discord. We talk about not just video games, but uh, food or many other things wrestling um but yeah definitely continue the conversation there or leave a comment um or hit us up on twitter at a cast to the past um let us know what your favorite hub worlds were were there any that we didn't mention that you know is sorely um needing of a mention um and why you enjoy it definitely let us know like i said um, a lot of great conversations, great time on the Discord. We're building a, a really fun community there. So we we love to have, um, you know, that family continue to grow. Um, but otherwise, uh, I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode um and let's let's go back to the hub world and regroup and then uh jump in the painting for our next episode yeah for another edition of a cast to the past it feels weird to say past it just always feels weird i know we've how many of these two-man episodes have we done and it just doesn't it doesn't feel right yeah i miss you one